I'm Austin, and welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. This week kicks off our four-week teaching series, Greener Grass, where we look into why we're always desiring more. You see, more isn't always better, and the world doesn't always revolve around us. Join us for the next four weeks as we see why the grass isn't always greener on the other side. We begin a brand new series today called The Greener Grass Conspiracy. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever heard the phrase, the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence? Ever heard that phrase? It's kind of a common phrase. So much so that if you Google it, you get 750,000 different responses in like a second. You can look for greener grass all day long. And many of us do. We get caught up in looking at the other side of the fence. See, the greener grass conspiracy is really all about the drive for perfect. It's kind of the key word there. Perfect. Like it's perfect over there. The grass is greener over there. And I like perfect. That's what I want to have. I want perfect. I want better. I want more. I want perfect, better, more stuff. And it's very easy to get caught up in this drive for perfection. But here's the problem. When that drives us, all of a sudden we have this consuming desire to only make me happy and to make me perfect. And it's not a reality. We're actually driving. We're actually pushing for something that isn't possible and doesn't even exist. So let me ask you a couple of questions. First of all, is there any area in life where you, where I search for greener grass? I mean, is there any area where I do this? Maybe you're thinking you're fine. But this is so much more than just stuff. Is there any area in life where you peek over the fence and you desire what you want more than what you have? Here's question number two. How did I get here? I mean, that's actually what I'm doing. If I'm valuing what I want more than what I have, and that becomes a consuming desire, how did I actually get here? How did this happen? Question number three. Is it possible to experience contentment? And the answer is yes. It is totally possible for us to experience contentment. And over the next four weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to kind of focus in on four specific areas where we chase greener grass, where we look over on the other side of the fence because it looks perfect, it looks better, and we want that because it's perfect. We're going to look at four different areas. Perfect me, that's today. Perfect stuff, that's next week. Perfect kids, that's January the 15th. And we all want perfect kids, don't we? Yeah, it's not a reality. And we're going to figure that out. That's on January the 15th. And then we wrap all of this up on January the 22nd with Brian here talking about the perfect spouse. 
and how it's not a reality. It doesn't exist. So today, perfect me. And I think it's really appropriate that we begin a new year talking about a perfect me because so many of our resolutions tend to focus on improving my life and improving me. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with being a better friend. There's nothing wrong with being a better husband or a better wife. There's nothing wrong with being a better worker. And kids, there's nothing wrong with being a better child. Right, parents? Help me out on this. These are all good things to chase. But when the drive becomes an obsession with me and me only, that's when we run into a significant problem. This is going to seem like a weird question, but does anyone remember Copernicus, the medieval scientist who came out with the idea that Earth is not the center of the universe? We actually have a picture of this guy. I don't think it'll help you, but that's Copernicus. And back in the day, they actually believed that the earth was the center of everything. And Copernicus said, no, 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 no. Look, I've been studying about this. I've been reading. This is not the way it works. The earth is not the center of the universe. The sun is actually the center of everything. And they looked at Copernicus, and they said... Well, you're crazy, Copernicus. That is not true. You have no idea what you're talking about. We need to be a stranger to you and all of your new ideas about what is at the center of the universe. And they got so aggravated and so mad at Copernicus that they actually threw him out of the church. Imagine that. They're like, this guy's crazy. We need to keep him from others. Let's throw him out of the church. But I got to be honest with you and say... In my research, I don't know if I really like Copernicus either. I don't know if I'm too crazy about him. I don't think we'd be sharing a meal together. I don't think we're going to have Starbucks drinks together. And here's why. See, I never really thought that the earth was the center of the universe. I thought that I was the center of the universe. And that the earth revolved around planet Eric. See, in my mind, this is how it works. Everything goes around me. In my mind, it's all about what I want and making planet Eric happy. It's about me, 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 I, I, I. In my mind, it looks like this. The earth revolves around me. And I think we all struggle with this. Perhaps you've begun to function in such a way that the world, the earth, revolves around planet you. And all of your time and energy is spent on making planet you happy. See, this sounds kind of crazy, but we do this a lot. We do it all of the time where we place ourselves at the center of everything, and it's all about planet me, and everything revolves like this. This is just the way it works, and we kind of like that. We get happy with that, and we get content. Here's how you know if that's actually happening to you. How angry do you get when things don't go your way? 
Right? I'm not talking about little stuff that just is aggravating and disappointing. I'm talking about how angry do you get when things don't go exactly according to your plan, so much so that you actually begin punting the things that are part of your world. And you just begin knocking stuff around because you're mad that things didn't go exactly according to your plan. So this is the question. How aggravated, how angry do you get when things don't go your way? What's so fascinating about this is we have a tendency to place ourselves right in the center of everything. But here's the deal. God never does that. I mean, never. Listen to Psalm 19. Verse 1 says, The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display His craftsmanship. Well, there's nothing in there about me. Isaiah chapter 6. It was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And they were calling out to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies, the whole earth. I mean, the whole thing is filled with his glory. See the skies? The angels? They're not talking about me. And they're not talking about you. They're lifting up an amazing picture of a perfect God who is at the center of everything. See, they don't get perfect me. And they don't get perfect you. They're proclaiming the glory of God. And if this is the case, I mean, if this is the way it really is, then I need a different kind of focus. And perhaps you do as well. Instead of chasing the perfect me, I need something else, something that is a bit better. And there's really good news here because trying to be perfect is a conspiracy I mean, it just doesn't exist. It's not real. And if we chase that, we will be disappointed every single time. So here's our big idea for today. Perfect me? Forget about it. I mean, just forget about it. Dismiss that from your mind. How about a perfect God? How about Him? How about that concept? How about if we wrap our minds around that and place that at the center of everything we do and everything we say and everything we think? Perfect me? Forget about it. See, and this is good news because it's actually relieving. I mean, I don't have to live up to that. I can lean and throw myself onto a perfect God. For our paragraph today, I want to take a few moments and investigate Ephesians chapter 5. And there are just some powerful words there. Truth. Life-changing words. They're words that call us to attention. They ask us to sit up and to pay attention a bit because this is really valuable stuff. And this is very important. It actually asks us to lean in and listen to these words. To think. Because if I'm going to get over myself and place God at the center, I have to get at some point 
what God actually wants me to do. And here's what God wants us to do. He wants us to be filled with him. It's quite simple. He wants us to be controlled by him. What does that actually mean? What's involved in that? Well, we get three simple practical steps here in Ephesians chapter 5 that I believe serve as the best way to start a new year. It's just a great, great way. And so I'm excited about sharing these steps with you because I think it provides a great foundation for 2012. So here's what we find in Ephesians chapter 5 about being filled with God and being controlled by him. Not by planet me, but by God. Here's step number one. Let your life be a song. Let it be a song. Here's verse 19. It says singing psalms, and the word psalms there actually refers to Old Testament songs that the saints way back in the day offered up to God. All right, so we've got some psalms here. And then we have hymns, and hymns are eulogies that were given up to God to honor him because he was so incredible and so great. And so they would offer up these hymns, these eulogies to God. So give psalms and hymns and then spiritual songs. And that's just a general term that probably covers every other type of verbal praise. By the way, psalms, hymns, And spiritual songs, as they're defined here, were all public things. See, we all get the opportunity to privately worship God and privately honor Him. But there also comes the time where we have to get a little public with this. And we have to allow our life to actually be a song to other people. And that's what's happening here. These are public things. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing these among yourselves and make music to the Lord in your hearts. See, the challenge here is to let your life be a song. Your life. The reality is, your life is a song. You are singing something. You are saying something with your actions and with your words. The real question is, what is it that you're singing? What kind of life song are you giving out to others? See, if we actually want to be controlled by God and be filled with him to capacity, this is about psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. It's about using our life and letting that be a song to other people. So what kind of song are you? What does that sound like? What does that look like? You know, this morning I actually wrote down a couple of words from a song that we sang, that we offered up. That's just really, really powerful. When I'm weak, you, God, are strong. Your breath in me will be my song. In you, my king, I belong. Forever you are my reason for living, merciful Savior, unending, breathe on me. See, we say this stuff, but I don't know if we always let it impact us. So in 2012, let your life be a song. We have a mighty God who's full of mercy and unending. 
And he wants to breathe on us and allow our lives to be an incredible song to others. So step number one, let your life be a song. Make some music. Even if you don't know what that sounds like or what that looks like, even if you don't think it's a good song, when your heart gets right with God, it's beautiful all of the time. So let your heart, let your life be a song to others. Here's step number two. Give thanks. There's just no other way around this. Give thanks. Verse 20 says, And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. What's crazy about this is that it's actually possible, no matter what's happening in my life, to give thanks for the fact that God is in control of everything. And even if I don't like what's happening around me, and even if that seems confusing and strange and I'm aggravated, I can actually trust that God is in control. And when God controls me, and when he's actually got all of me, there is no doubt that I am a thankful person, no matter what's happening. So would you describe your life as being filled with thanks? I mean, does that just kind of drip out of you? Does that ooze out of you? As a pastor, I get the wonderful privilege of talking with a lot of different people who come when things aren't always going so well, and there's hurt and pain. And in the past couple of weeks, I've talked to a couple of different people that absolutely amaze me. Because you would look at the circumstances of their life And you would think that they should be very unhappy, very sad, very aggravated, and not very thankful about anything, let alone God. And yet what comes out of their life is this incredible song of thanks. It's like they get God is in control. And because God is in control, I can give thanks for people around me. And for the good things that I see that are happening, even though there aren't a lot, but there are still a few things, and I can give thanks to that. And it is an amazing thing to consider and to look at somebody who is walking through troubles and pain, and yet they're giving thanks out all of the time. And see, this is possible. When God controls us, the reality is we will give thanks. I think the question here is, what comes out of you when you get stepped on? right? I mean, what kind of oozes out? Is that a good smell or is that a bad thing? When we are allowing God to control us, thanks just kind of comes out because he's in control. That's step number two. Here's step number three. That is voluntarily cooperate with others. Verse 21, and further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. You see that word submit there? It means to voluntarily cooperate. It's not talking about letting someone walk all over you. It's about cooperating with the people that are around us. Sounds like a great theme for an election year, doesn't it? It does. You know, the reality is when God controls us, we are submissive. We do cooperate with the people around us, and we have the spirit of wanting to work together. And we do all of this, not for our benefit, 
not for planet me or planet you, but we do all of this because we actually respect Christ. See, when we submit to other people, it shows that we're actually respecting Christ and we fear him and we're honoring him by saying, I'm going to cooperate with the people around me. See, it's really easy not to cooperate. That like takes no effort at all. We can always find ways and things about the people next to us that we do not want to cooperate with them about. We can find that all of the time. That's really, really easy. I think the challenge here, according to Ephesians chapter 5, is that we actually do the hard work of finding ways to cooperate with the people around us and do that in a way that actually shows respect for Christ. It's possible. So let me give you some takeaways, some things that you can do as you walk out of here in just a moment. First of all, make the choice today to abandon planet me by becoming a song. I mean, at the start of the year here, just make the choice to say, forget about placing me at the center. I'm going to do that by making myself a song that other people can really enjoy. Think about this for a moment. You have the ability with your life, to help people get God because of the song that comes out of you. That's kind of mind-boggling that God will actually use me and he'll use my life to impact the lives of others with this song that comes out of me. And God will do that, but it will only happen when I abandon planet me. If we were to download your song, on iTunes for a buck 20. And we coughed up that money. And I listened to your song and you listened to my song. What would that sound like? What would that be? Would it be a good thing or not? See, start this year out by abandoning planet me and allow your life to be a song. Here's takeaway number two. Start a thankful journal. Start an actual thankful journal. Life, health, food, possessions, change in the pocket. See, if we have those things, we have more than the majority of people in the world. And we forget about that and we kind of assume we deserve these things and we don't. Because a lot of people don't have anything near that. And it's probably time in the new year just to start a thankful journal and get really basic and really simple about the things that God has actually given to us because it is a lot. Allow thankfulness just to be an identifying mark in your life. And remember that most people value what they want more than what they have. And starting a thankful journal actually begins the process of turning our minds to what we have and enjoying that and being thankful for that. And by journal, I'm talking about a journal. Get a piece of paper and a pencil. Go old school with it because old school works all the time. Write it down. Put it up somewhere and look at it and allow thankfulness just to come out of your life. Let it be your identifying mark. Start a journal. I actually wrote some things down that I'm thankful for about Valley Point Church. So I want to share this with you. 
Is that all right? Here's what it sounds like. I'm thankful for the staff here. They work really, really hard and sacrifice a lot to serve and to make sure that Valley Point continues to move forward. And I'm really thankful for the staff. I'm thankful for our children's volunteers. And a lot of you are in here today, and I think we just need to thank you. Let's do that. Yeah. (laughs) You know, they're amazing. They're incredible. These are unpaid servants who come in and teach and download information and stories and wonderful things for our kids. And we all benefit from this. And I'm really, really thankful for those who volunteer within our children's ministry because they are making a difference. I'm thankful for our Love Weeks. And they have been wonderful ventures for us where we've made the choice to leave the safety of this room and to go serve and love other people without expecting anything in return. I'm thankful for Love Weeks. I'm thankful for all of you that invite. And so many of you do this. And one of my favorite things is on any given Sunday morning, standing at the front door and watching people wait for the people that they've invited. I mean, it just gives me goosebumps because they're energized and they're excited. And that day matters to them because they've got a stake in the game. They've invited somebody to come and they want this place to work. They want it to be on so that their friends, their loved ones have a great experience. And so many of you have taken up the mantle of inviting, and I'm thankful for that. This past year, we baptized 32 people. It's the most people we've baptized in the history of the church. It's incredible. 32 people saying, all right, I'll do the next thing that God wants for me, and I'll take that step of obedience. And they've walked through that, and I'm thankful for them, and God is using them. This past year, we saw 111 people indicate on a connection card that they trusted in Christ alone to save them. And that is an amazing number that is way beyond anything a church our size should actually be doing. See, God is at work here. And I'm thankful for the different things that are happening here. And every once in a while, it's just really, really good to get an old-fashioned piece of paper and a pencil. And make it a pencil, because there's something old about a pencil. Grab a pencil and write down some things that you're thankful for. I mean, it'll just help focus you like never before, and it's going to fill you with a lot of God and allow your life to be a song. Here's the third takeaway. Find ways to cooperate with others. Just find ways. You know, again, it's easy to find ways not to cooperate. And we all have differences and things we like and don't like. That's easy to do. Do the hard work of cooperating with people in your family. Do the hard work of cooperating with your spouse. That's submission. Goes both ways. Do the hard work of cooperating with people that you actually work with. Voluntarily cooperate with others. Perfect me? Forget about it. How about a perfect God? See, he gets it right all of the time, and he wants us to be 
filled with him to be controlled with him. There are some amazing words found in Psalm chapter 8. I just want to read to you. Verse 3 says, When I look at the night sky and I see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place, what are mere mortals that you should think about them? Human beings that you should care for them. See, God is this perfect God. And the question here is, why should he care about us? And the answer is that he actually does care about us. He actually is concerned about us. And he wants us to enjoy him and to enjoy a new year. And here's how it works. I mean, here are the steps that we have to take. Here's what has to happen in our lives. We have to abandon planet me. We have to become filled with thankfulness. And we have to cooperate with the people around us. That makes for a great new year. Perfect me? Forget about it. It's all about a perfect God who wants us to place him at the center. Abandon ourselves. Get real thankful and cooperate with others. Greener grass? Let's get real content with what we have and allow this perfect God to control all of us. Father, we're thankful for these days. And we're thankful for the year ahead of us. And God, I pray that you would help us in what is to come to really lean into you, to get controlled by you, and to do that by abandoning planet me, by just becoming thankful and allowing that to be our song and then cooperating with the people around us. God, we can do all of this because you are in control. We forget about that. We get all worried about what's supposed to happen and what's going to happen, but yet we have to rest in the fact that you are a God who is in control. So God, I pray that you'd really use this first talk of the year to encourage us to do what Ephesians chapter 5 says. And that's just to allow ourselves to be controlled by you. God, I pray that for me. I don't get this stuff right. I struggle with placing you at the center instead of me. So I pray that you give me strength to take these steps. And God, may this just really be one of our greatest years ever as individuals, as a faith community. God, bless us. Help us to put you where you want to be and where you belong. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We'd also like to invite you to join us for any of our Sunday gatherings as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 and 11 a.m.